This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike and John Beeler here. We are traveling uh, this week in China on uh, behalf of uh, Huawei. We're learning all about uh, their culture, their technology, uh, their campuses. A fascinating trip uh, to date. So we've been up in Shenzhen, China, and uh, now we're down in Hong Kong. And we're doing the show here on the road. We've got a, a, a kind of a cool show. We're going to be talking about uh, how uh, apps uh, and mobile technology have related uh, to our trip. Uh, later on the program, we'll be talking about roaming, some of the different roaming solutions we came up with uh, to keep connected while we're over here. Uh, so some really good uh, tips uh, for the folks out there. We'll also be chatting about payment technology and how we're just a little bit behind here in Canada compared to uh, China and uh, Hong Kong. And uh, VPNs, virtual private networks, this is an important thing because China has uh, a firewall that blocks many of the Western websites and social media uh, tools that you use from Facebook to Twitter to even Google. So we'll uh, tell you how to get around that uh, too. But uh, this is a part of the show where we do our regular news. Uh, updates. So uh, in the world of apps uh, right now, this was kind of uh, interesting. Uh, Transport Canada has uh, basically, is it certified DJI drones? Uh, DJI has basically certified their own drones as complying with Transport Canada's rules, specifically around flying near people. Uh, One of the concerns that the Transport Canada rules were that are being introduced on June 1st uh, is that it would dramatically restrict your ability to fly near or around people. The rule has always been uh, within 100 feet, and uh, that rule will continue, and DJI complies, and their apps, the apps that they're using to fly the drones, uh, the DJI Go app, if uh, anyone's flying a drone, um, that allows you to uh, avoid obstacles and people and things like that. It has, all the drones have sensors to avoid that kind of stuff. So if it sees... A person, it'll avoid it by a hundred meters. It'll start beeping and stop moving, basically. Like, yeah, like if, it's not a, it, it, it's not going to stop if they're, say, one hundred and five meters away. Like, um, it's just if it gets close, and I think that is enough to comply with um, Transport Canada's rules, which is good. It's good news for drone pilots. It's interesting. Uh, DJI is one of the biggest drone uh, manufacturers in the world, Chinese company uh, as well. And uh, you were pretty excited to come over to China because uh, we've purchased one of their. Osmo Mobile. Is it called the Osmo Mobile? It's the mobile or Osmo Pocket. Osmo Pocket. This is an amazing little camera, 4K camera with a gimbal on it. So it's like a, a steady cam in your pocket. It, the footage is fantastic. Yeah, it, it's basically the same system that is on the bottom of all the DJI drones. Uh, it just comes on a stick with a little screen and an SD card slot. And uh, we've been using it to capture footage here. And I'm still continually blown away how good everything looks as we're walking around the markets and in and, uh, and the streets of Hong Kong and, and Shenzhen. Uh, I think the funniest part for me, though, John, is uh, this is a fairly new product. Yes. And there's an adapter that you've been searching for. It's an audio adapter for the bottom so that we can uh, plug in better microphones to this thing to bring up, you know, to the quality that we need. Yeah, the the Pocket is a great camera, not so great as a microphone. <laughs> it has a very tiny, like, smartphone size microphone on it. So we want to just sort of up the level. But unfortunately, DJI made a proprietary connector. Uh, yeah, not, a, not an industry standard one. No. So you need to buy their specific audio connector. And can you find that in North America? No. Well... It's 
it's been available, but it sold out almost instantly because everyone that had a pocket, they knew they needed this adapter. Um, it's something that should have been either included in the box or um, uh, built into the device itself. Like it, we literally just want to plug in a headphone jack. You know. So you were you were excited to come to China because these things are made in China. Uh, here in Hong Kong, we looked online, found the flagship DJI store. Beautiful store right in downtown Hong Kong. We you know we spent twenty minutes on the train to get there. We walk in there. Oh, we just sold out yesterday. So you've come thousands of miles for nothing, John. I know, but I have good footage of it. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, also in the news, uh, and again, this kind of relates to our Huawei trip here as well. Huawei files a motion to declare the U.S. ban unconstitutional calls to adjust cybersecurity approach. We were actually at this press conference, which was fascinating. Yeah, it was... <laughs> It was kind of a big deal, and I, you know, it's it's hard for us. I mean, we we normally do media junkets and that type of thing, where we're with a bunch of other other tech journalists. Tech journalists, yeah. But you know, the camera guy beside me was from CBS, and the BBC let me an audio cable, and you know, it's just like the the game had been elevated. <laughs> I know, and I was joking to you. We're like the bad news bears of, <laughs> of you know all of these journalists, like uh, actual of, journalists of actual like hardcore journalists, and there were some interesting questions. Very interesting. Going out. I mean, the BBC uh, journalist asked point blank to the uh, the legal uh, counsel, uh, you know, the chief legal officer of uh, Huawei, uh, "Are you a member of the Communist Party, or ever have you ever been?" And well, almost sounded like the McCarthy hearing. Yes, <laughs> I, you know, I just kind of ironic, right? Yeah. Um, and it was funny his answer. Well, not funny, but it was a good answer. Well, well it was interesting too because the BBC uh, journalist had specifically asked both men on stage. And only one of them responded. And then his follow-up question is, can he speak for himself? And it was just like, wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it was an interesting conference, press conference, because basically they're trying to get a summary motion to uh, have this uh, this whole thing uh, thrown out because uh, they're saying it is unconstitutional. Yeah, and, and if they do at least get off the list, then they will, it will be able to continue to work with Canadian... American companies. companies, yeah, but it's kind of funny uh, in a way uh, that it's come to this this point that uh, they have to go down this road because they're you know if you look at a lot of these Asian companies they are very humble they don't like to you know show their their strength and so it's come to a point where they have to or they're going to hurt. Yeah, and it's something that they're they they definitely seem. Like it's not very a comfortable process for them to be going through, and uh, it's uh, it's interesting timing for our trip to be here when this is all going down. Very, very much so. Uh, another interesting uh, thing in the news here: uh, Huawei trademarks Arc OS in Germany. And so this is a thing because this might be part of their Plan B if uh, Google will not share the technology for the phones. Yeah, it's unclear whether this is actually uh, sort of their version of the open source Android product, which they do still have the ability to use, or if this is something completely brand new that they've been developing uh, in the back uh, as their plan B for the last year or so. We didn't get any further insight in that on this trip. Uh, We didn't have any answers from them on on that. Um, But it's, you know, they've got a trademark now for it, so we now know it's going to be called. Lots to talk about here on the App Show today to learn how to uh, get around the uh, Chinese firewall, what's the best uh, roaming package uh, or sims to use, and so much more, including our Hot 5 App Countdown. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. 
You're back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. As I mentioned before, we are doing our show from China. Uh, right now we're in Hong Kong. We've had a chance to visit uh, Shenzhen uh, as well and Huawei on our trip, which was uh, quite uh, fascinating. More on that uh, later. Uh, wanted to talk about the firewall, the great firewall Ch- of China. The great firewall of China. So interestingly enough, not a problem here in Hong Kong because we can access everything we re- usually do, uh, Facebook, Google, Twitter, what have you. But in China itself, up in Shenzhen, that was not the case. You know, when you're on the hotel Wi-Fi or any of the Wi-Fi networks, you can't get Google, you can't get Facebook or any of the social media sites really that you know. You can get Bing, Microsoft Bing, which I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, so, you know, when you do travel... A lot of people, especially to countries that do block certain sites, use what are called VPNs or virtual private networks. And John, uh, this is something that you use quite a bit. Yes, that's right. Um, this is my second time, like you, to China. And I did my research. And one of the problems is even if you're here and you realize you don't have a VPN, you can't even go get one because the Google App Store is not available to you to even go and download it. Um, and, and we saw some other people that were traveling with us that had that same problem where they were kind of basically locked out of the Internet, essentially. Well, well, that's tough because we're traveling with journalists, and journalists, in a lot of cases, use social media to publish stories and tweets and things like that. I did find, however, uh, up in uh, mainland China and Shenzhen, that uh, I was roaming on my Rogers account on my cell phone, and everything worked on that. I was really surprised and impressed that that was the case. Uh, I, I wonder what Rogers is doing to make that happen, um, redirecting the ports or the protocols that are being used. Um, I used uh, ExpressVPN, which is a, is a service. It's a Hong Kong-based uh, provider. It's all they have it for uh, all over the world, and it's a kind of thing. It's a service you would pay for to. Um, get us netflix in canada kind of thing uh uh basically because you're hong Hong kong based which is ironic right right because it's a it's a an app or a service that will allow you to bypass china's censorship that's right i've heard some interesting stories that literally there's a van driving around hong kong so that the chinese government can't actually locate the source of the of the routing and switching software uh, that's being used for these VPNs, because otherwise they would shut them down. So how does this work? Explain to the uh, the listeners. So what you do is you you download an app on your phone uh, as well as on your laptop or any any of, any of your computing device. Uh, typically, like on a phone, you have a VPN section, and most of these apps will sort of auto configure themselves. You basically go into the app, uh, you press the big go button, and then uh, assuming you have your account. Uh, payment information all sorted out, uh, it will just work. And you'll typically get to choose which region you're in and which region you're um, going to be uh, routing through. So, for example, for, for me, when I was in mainland China, I had a number of Hong Kong-based servers to choose from. It would auto-detect and auto-select the most appropriate one for my location and the distance. And sort Because the other thing that a lot of people forget is with VPNs, there is some latency because you're basically routing your internet traffic through another party being encrypted and then you know going back out so it can be a little slower uh depending on the distance to that server uh but it's generally i mean i I had very good connectivity most of the time uh even on you know some of the sketchier hotel internet (laughs) connections that we tend to have does it slow down the traffic 
It does, yeah. It, it, it very very minor. I mean, it, again, it depends on how strong your signal is. You know, if you've got LTE going, full bars, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's not quite as snappy as back at home when you've got the VPN turned off. So, uh, so ExpressVPN is one that you use, and that's um, you can sign up through a website. It's also an app you download for your smartphone while yeah. you're out, and you have to download the app before you go. <laughs> <laughs> or it's the key point. Or it doesn't work. Or it doesn't work. And yeah. you basically subscribe to something that you uh, don't need. <laughs> How much do you pay for Express? Um, it, it, it varies depending on the on the thing. Uh, we were only here for a few days. They actually have a one-week free trial. So I didn't have to pay anything for it. Um, so uh, I think it's about $10 uh, uh, a month. That's not bad. No, it's, it's fine. Um, but I also use something else, which uh, the listeners may be interested in. Uh, there's an open VPN protocol. It, it's called literally Open VPN, and there's a number of ways you can install that on your on a home computer. And basically, uh, I have a, a Raspberry Pi, which are these little hobby mini computers you can pick up for like twenty bucks. A little bit more in Canada, they're about fifty bucks. That's with case and everything. No, that's. Oh, it's just the board? Just the board, yeah. yeah. But the nice thing I, is... I haven't shopped for one for a while. <laughs> yeah. They, they're they super small, little sort of Linux-based computers. Um, the neat thing about OpenVPN is uh, you literally type in one line of code uh, that it's on... If you go to pyvpn.com, um, it'll tell you... You literally just copy and paste on your Raspberry Pi. It does all the setup and configuration. You just have it plugged into your router at home and you just sort of leave it there. You don't need a, a screen or anything on it. Um, you can just have it sort of passively sitting in the background. And then um, part of the configuration process, it will actually generate a key file for you. So you take that key file and it's literally just a text file with some encrypted um, uh, information in so that it can talk to the VPN service, you put that key file on your phone, on your laptop, whatever, and under the VPN settings for your device. Uh, literally, if you, I, I just airdropped this file from my laptop to my phone, and my phone knew what to do with it, and it just installed it as a profile, and then it becomes uh, a, an option you can turn on and off in your VPN then. So so on your phone, you have to download the OpenVPN app. That's right, yeah. Yeah, but it integrates itself properly with the operating system. It also works uh, perfectly fine on the Google side as well. So what you just described, uh, I get it. It sounds complicated, though, I think, to a lot of listeners. Like, how, what's the difficulty rating on this? Um, I would say it's probably maybe a three or a four. Uh, the nice thing is is they've tried to make it dead easy, simple, simple. Uh, PyVPN.com has all of the information about how to actually set it up, and there's tons of YouTube videos of people sort of walking through the process. But like I said, you literally put in one outline of code, and it starts the process, and then it'll ask you some questions. And the questions are all really well documented. It's yes or no kind of answers. Um, Things like uh, what uh, IP address are you going to use? You can just hit like defaults for everything, and it just works fine. Where you can get into a little confusion is sort of the security protocols that are being used and how encrypted and how uh, secure you want this uh, VPN to be. Uh, My guess is if you don't know what those things mean, you probably are fine with the defaults. Uh, If you know what those things mean, you're probably not using the wizard to set up the thing yourself so um but yeah it's very simple and like i said um you know for 50 bucks i have this thing and it doesn't just uh it's not just good for traveling either if i go to starbucks and i'm on their wi-fi i can just press the the open vpn button and uh encrypt all my uh online banking whatever and it's all going through my computer at home 
So it's very safe and secure. If someone was sitting in the Starbucks, you know, sniffing your your Wi-Fi traffic, they're not going to get my credit card information or anything else that I'm transmitting. So we talked about two ways to do a VPN or a virtual private network. And again, this is uh, to get around things like firewalls in China so that you can surf all the regular sites that you want. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people like to get U.S. Netflix uh, Mm -hmm. as well. I know Netflix is constantly... Uh, cracking down on that, so that's like a whack-a-mole uh, game. But you have you have both. You've got the ExpressVPN, which is just kind of the app and the service itself, and then you've got uh, kind of the combo with OpenVPN that uh, does the computer um, and the app. Yeah, so... So why do you have both? Just Well... I was hedging my bets. Just in case I had a connectivity issue back home, if the power goes out at home or my internet goes out at home, I'm hooped. Yeah. Uh, ExpressVPN is, is a, a networking company, so they would have backups and all that kind of stuff like that. Plus, they're also a lot closer, so my traffic was a lot faster when I was using ExpressVPN versus OpenVPN. But these things do change, and they do uh, vary depending on your distance, connectivity, all that kind of stuff. So I was just bouncing back and forth between the two. We're uh, in China. We're doing the app show uh, on the road, uh, myself and John Beeler. We've still got lots more to talk about. We do have a Hot 5 app countdown coming. We will uh, also be talking about payments in China. They, and especially here in Hong Kong, it is simply amazing the millions of different ways you can pay for stuff uh, at your local 7-Eleven uh, here. So I'm excited to talk through some of that. And uh, we're also going to talk about, uh, later on in the program, roaming. How... Do you roam with your smartphone while you're uh, away, especially in places like China? Do you use the uh, carrier service or do you get uh, a local SIM or one of these uh, other roaming SIMs? We'll give you the lowdown on that too. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. It's that time. The Weekly App Hot 5. That's right. Uh, the Hot 5 this week. The Hot 5 iPhone apps that are for creative users. Creative users, so like uh, making photos and graphics. Yeah, you want to add some flair to your photos. Well, let's start off with uh, number five uh, this week. It's Obscura Two. This goes for four ninety nine. Obscura Two is the best manual camera app for the iPhone. It achieves this not only with a slew of features, but by providing an interaction model that's so brilliantly conceived that you simply won't want to use another iPhone camera. Echoing manual cameras of old, everything is based around a contextual wheel that sits above the shutter. Initially, you use it to select a tool. When setting focus or exposure, the wheel enables you to make fine adjustments with your thumb. You get a real feel of precision control with optional haptic feedback confirming your choices. Number four uh, on the Hot 5 app countdown, Hot 5 uh, iPhone creative uh, apps. What is that, Oliest? Yes, number four is Oliest. Uh, Oilist, maybe? I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce it. Uh, it's a generational art app. It's really cool. Uh, then it would be Oilist. Yes. Yes. Well, who knows? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> you feed it something from your photos, choose a style, and then it gets to work. Basically, continually repainting the image uh, in different art styles and you can basically stop it at any point in time when you found something you really liked um it's uh it's like a slew of tiny artists are stuck in your device because oilist has a massive range of styles to choose from taking in everything from classic oil painters through to modern art Uh, although the app can be left alone in a dock you can capture stills for posterity or fiddle with settings including brushstrokes mood chaos and gravity to redirect the virtual artist whether you interact or just sit back and watch, Oilist is mesmerizing, kind of like a painterly lava lamp, only what you see is based on one of your own cherished photographs. 
We're talking about the Hot 5 uh, creative iPhone apps. This is uh, courtesy of TechRadar.com. Number three, we have Camera Plus. And this was uh, uh, one of the developers was our own Lisa Betney, who used to be a Get Connected uh, host. Fun fact. Camera Plus is a combined camera app and editor. Despite the wealth of available options, the interface is initially quite minimal. With a model uh, with a modes strip across the top of the screen, a zoom slider and shutter, uh, tap the plus button and you reveal further modes including a timer, stabilizer and smile detection. Number two, Visionist. Visionist uses neural networks to ape various types of artwork. Load a photo and it instantly is reworked as a virtual painting that resembles something expensive you find hanging on a gallery wall. Uh, there's an in-app purchase. Uh, you get over 70 styles. 10 come free uh, in the app. Uh, and then you get uh, a lot of control over how they're applied. Each style offers three levels of abstraction and there are settings for how it interacts with the original imagery. And number one on the Hot 5 app countdown this week is... Uh Glitch Art Studio, free uh, or $4.99 for more functions. Glitch Art Studio is an impressive and arresting photo effects app that brings texture and character to even the most mundane snap. This is achieved by a way of slathering on all kinds of distortion effects up to the point where you've left with something that's barely recognizable as a photograph. Very cool app, and uh, I recommend you check it out. When we come back from the break, we're uh, continuing our trip here in China, and we're going to be talking uh, about payments or electronic payment uh, in China and Hong Kong. You're listening to The App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We are uh, in China right now. We're doing The App Show on the road, so to speak, the Silk Road. Uh, we've had uh, an interesting time here. Uh, we've been traveling uh, courtesy of Huawei to learn more about the uh, the company and the the struggles and the struggle is real here. It Huawei definitely is real. Versus uh, Trump uh, in the big uh, trade war. Uh, interesting that a private company is somehow uh, drawn the ire of a, uh, a U.S. president. Uh, U.S. president going after them specifically. Uh, that's a whole other story. Uh, we will uh, be talking also a little bit later about roaming. Some of the different. Uh, roaming solutions that uh, we came up with while we're over here to keep us uh, connected with our smartphones and laptops. Uh, but I want to talk about payment now. We're in Hong Kong right now, and you go into any store, like a corner store, a 7-Eleven, and God, there must be 8,000 7-Elevens in Hong Kong and, and China itself. It's it's worse than Starbucks, actually. Oh, it's 100 times <laughs> yeah. worse. Like, I, I cannot... In our, we're uh, in a hotel in Hong Kong right now. No word of a lie. I can look down every corner, and there is a Seven Eleven. Yeah, or two, or two. So what's interesting is just payment technology, and and I think how much more advanced uh, China and, and Hong Kong uh, are compared to Canada and and the West. When we go to pay for something in a Seven Eleven, for example, uh, obviously cash is one, Visa, Mastercard, uh, and now. More lately, uh, in the Apple Pay and Android Pay. But here, there's so many other options. Yeah, uh, there's uh, a big push right now for using apps to pay that aren't from you know the big banks or from the, the carriers themselves or the smartphone companies themselves. So like WeChat, for example, is probably the most common thing we've seen people paying uh, here with because uh, you can just basically beam money to people. And uh, it's, it's incredibly... Uh, useful. Unfortunately, we're not able to add uh, North American credit cards to the WeChat system currently, uh, so we can't use it as a payment option, but uh, it's just everywhere. Yeah, so WeChat is this uh, crazy 
I guess, messaging platform that is very popular uh, over here, uh, you know, and obviously some places in Canada uh, as well. So messaging, it's got all sorts of content and they're shopping through it. And uh, like you were saying, payment technology as well. And people would rather use the WeChat payment and businesses would rather use it as well because they're not getting dinged, uh, you know, the high percentages that uh, they are from like the visas and MasterCards. Yeah, which makes you wonder how our, you know, as far as we're aware, there is no service fees for using that. And so what is paying for the service, you know? Uh, there must be something. I know the listeners right now are going, uh, old news, Mike and John. We've been using <laughs> WeChat and, uh, you know, for many, many years. Yeah, but it's interesting because, we, you know, we're, we're with a number of uh, Canadian uh, journalists with Chinese Huawei officials, and they basically have been communicating with all of us via WeChat. And it's been actually really easy because, uh, you know, there's no platforms to deal with. It's just, it works everywhere. Um, it seems pretty secure, and uh, it's uh, it's a great way for us to share photos from, you know, various activities we've been doing, as well as uh, when we went to a mall the other day someone didn't have enough cash for something and our guide actually paid for it with WeChat and then our uh, our friend went to a bank machine and paid her back. So, yes, which that, is really that old-fashioned bank machine to yes. get, get some cash. Yeah. Kind, kind of weird. So, you know, there's WeChat, there's Alipay as well as another form. Uh, what I found interesting too was the Octopus card that yes. we got. So the Octopus card is uh, like uh, in Vancouver, the Compass card, uh, for it, example. It, it's a stored the, value card. Yeah, yeah, the Oyster card in the UK, like for transit. Yeah. And I just thought it was a transit card. Me too. But no, you can use that to pay for stuff at 7-Eleven. Which makes perfect sense because it's a stored value card. Why couldn't you? It's like a prepaid visa in, in a lot of ways. and But it is everywhere. And like you said before, you know, when you go up to the till... You know, in Vancouver or, or North America, there'd be a couple stickers of payment types. Yeah. The door is covered in the payment option stickers, you know, in these places. It's just it's just overwhelming how many options that they have. Um, and it's, it's one terminal that handles it all. Yeah, that's kind of the interesting thing. I just wonder, uh, you know, compared to Canada, everything seems to be uh, ruled by the, the big you know, six banks uh, up, uh, up north of the border here. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just don't know if that's keeping innovation back because they have so much control uh, yeah i would imagine it would be i mean this was also sort of the the promise of bitcoin for a while too was that this is gets to bypass all of that type of stuff but the uptake from uh, the the retail and, and other places that would take cash or credit uh it just hasn't happened yet for uh cryptocurrency yeah and just uh, again our banking system in Canada, in some ways, it's great. It's really, I think, protected us through a lot of financial crisis, mm-hmm. uh, crises that have happened, uh, you know, globally. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you look down the U.S. And, and even here in Hong Kong, they just have so many more financial institutions. And I wonder if that breeds more competition and innovation. Yeah, it definitely seems to here because we can't avoid it. And just looking out uh, our, our hotel window, you can see so many different bank choices and uh, the competition is really high and we were just uh, yesterday in the financial district and there's just tons of people there uh, all from different banks and <laughs> we're uh, live in China we have been uh, traveling uh, on the road here for the app show been covering some Huawei events and press conferences when we come back from the break we still have uh, more 
apps to talk about, uh, and more specifically, uh, our smartphones and keeping connected. Uh, while we were in China, we've uh, tried a few different solutions, uh, everything from using our uh, roaming plans with our carrier to some uh, data sims that uh, you can purchase for global travel as well, and we'll tell you which uh, we found to work the best. You're listening to The App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with The App Show. Mike and John here. We're in China right now in Hong Kong been traveling uh, this past week uh, visiting uh, a lot of uh, Huawei campuses and manufacturing facilities learning all about that uh, check out our get connected podcast uh, we've uh, gone into detail uh, all the different adventures we had there uh, checking out all the robots making the phones and uh, crazy European campus they have it's like you're in Europe but in China uh, again uh, get connected the podcast you can get that on uh, Apple iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting sites let's talk about roaming now now, uh, this is one of my favorite topics because I do a bit of travel now. And uh, in China, we uh, tried a few different ways. Uh, one of the probably easiest ways is to go with the roaming uh, package that your carrier has. And so I'm with Rogers. They've got something called Roam Like Home. And I believe that's about $12 a day. And you can use your existing plan and data. It's just charging an extra $12 to have that service wherever you're going. Which is really convenient because you don't even have to think about it. You just turn on your phone after you, get, after you when you land, and it's just there, and it just works, and it just automatically pairs with the local uh, carrier, and you're good. Uh, before we continue, I I want to give one warning that uh, I don't know if I told you this. On our airplane over, we flew Cathay Pacific, and they have uh, great Wi-Fi service right across the Pacific. I don't know what kind of voodoo magic they're doing to make that happen, obviously through satellite and what have you, uh, but amazing. But uh, I had my cell phone, and I turned it off when I'm on the plane. But sometimes if I'm charging it, like I needed to charge it, I plugged it into the charger, it just kind of automatically turns on. And what happened was that my phone was set to do data roaming. So not usually a problem, but there's some weirdo service on that plane called Aero Mobile, and I'm checking my text messages when we land, and it's telling me that uh, I'm connected to Aero Mo- Mobile, and congratulations. And I also have some text messages from Rogers when I'm landing saying that, hey, you're with a roaming partner, or you're on a roaming uh, service that doesn't uh, work with Roam Like Home. And it's really expensive. I had the same problem. I never told you either. Oh, okay. I'm with Kudo, and they have the easy roam function. It's $12 a day. And like you, I saw that the the Wi-Fi service was really good, but they also said you could actually just use your roaming package, and, and roaming charges would apply. I just assumed if I turned on my phone or turned you know get out of uh, airplane mode, uh, it would just I'd get the kudo message. <laughs> I did not. Unfortunately, I sent a photo to my girlfriend from the plane. Oh sweet Jesus, that's going to be expensive. Twenty six dollars is what it cost. Fortunately, kudo cuts you off after a certain amount unless you do something because it's just to protect you from overcharges. Yeah, and- but cafe, come on. That's that's crap. Yeah, it's it's really weird. I mean, I it's probably some kind of satellite service, so it's probably crazy expensive. But it would have been nice to know, or at least have an option to understand it better. But that's also my fault and presumably your fault too. Yeah, we're idiots. <laughs> but now I know better. So yeah. anyway, that's a warning to travelers yes. out there: keep the data roaming off until you land at the place you're getting to, where you might want to do roaming. 
Yes. And you know that there's a, a partnership there with your local carrier. So, okay, so that's one, one way. But it gets expensive, right? Because we've been here a week, and I know it does cap out at a certain amount, but, uh, you know, I think I've been gone like seven days. What's that, like $84? Yeah. It's, Plus it, tax? It's, it's a lot. So we both also have secondary phones that we brought with us. That we, because we're weird nerds, yes. <laughs> and basically, we both also purchased uh, sims with travel data in them. And so I used uh, gigsky.com. Uh, it was one of the highest rated ones that I found and had a really reasonable uh, plan. Uh, you can get it in different tiers and things like that. But I got, I think, two gigs of data for 20 or $30. And it doesn't expire for like a month. So uh, it's, it's definitely cheaper than roaming at $12 a day for a whole week. Um, but you also lose out on your, uh, you know, you, you have a new phone number and all that kind of stuff too. So it can be a little confusing depending on how you're trying. Did you actually get a phone number with yours? Or is um, it just data? I think? I think I actually, it's just data. Yeah. So, so, but my, my Kudo phone is offline basically. And I've been, uh, pairing or, uh, connecting to the gig sky account for via personal hotspot. So, uh, both phones have been online through the one SIM card. Yeah, I used one from a great company called Always On Wireless. Again, Always On Wireless. And uh, similar price plans. I think mine was 30 bucks for a gig of data. Uh, it works really well. Again, you got to remember, it's just data. But, you know, for the most part, I'm not really getting many phone calls No, when I'm traveling. It's usually messages. So, yeah. you know, the good thing is if you did need to make a phone call, you can use Skype or Messenger or WhatsApp. Uh, so that's not uh, going to be a problem. And it uh, works like a charm. The only thing with uh, always on wireless is that you have to specify the country. Yes. Right? So, And that's a, a challenge because uh, we were up in Shen, Shenzhen, uh, China. And I know Hong Kong is China, but it's not. No, it's it, not. It's kind of its own place. And so I had to switch countries and, and set up another plan. I, I had a similar issue where when we came across the Chinese border into Hong Kong, my GigSky account stopped working, and I actually thought there was a problem with my account, or I used up all my data or something like that. But of course, I couldn't get online because we were at a street market for, for dinner. And uh, so then I turned on my Kudo phone and ate the $12 to turn on my Kudo phone. And uh, then I realized I just needed to reboot the phone so that it would re-pick up a new carrier in Hong Kong, and then the GigSky has been working great ever since. Yeah, so uh, again, always on wireless. They have a bunch of different plans. I think $50, there's like four or five gigs or something like that, uh, which sounds like a lot of money, but it's not if you're here for like a week. And yeah. instead of using the carrier plan that you're you know with like Rogers or Telus or Bell, uh, it kind of works out cheaper. And you're not killing off your data back home either. So when you get home, you can have all that data still. So that's kind of why I did it as well. I didn't want to use up all my data plan because, you know, we've been taking tons of photos here and uploading them. I know I have this this pile of data sitting over here that's separate from my, my personal account at home. You're listening to The App Show right now. We have been talking about uh, our adventures here in uh, China. That's all the time we have left, believe it uh, or not. Don't forget to tune into our uh, Get Connected podcast. We've uh, done a great uh, show all about uh, Huawei and the challenges uh, they've had and also some of our adventures in their uh, uh, manufacturing facilities and their huge European campus as well. You can get uh, the Get Connected uh, podcast and the App Show podcast on iTunes or any other great podcasting site. That's all the time we have left. Mike and John signing off. We will see you again next time. See ya. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, 
TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.